Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension and welcome to the greatest show in the galaxy. My name is Emma Foster and crafting space helmets for cows to sell in his Etsy shop. It's Mr. Mike Mould. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm well, my child. How are you? <laughs> oh, harassed as always. So today we are going to be having a chat about uh, the time meddler. So mm. we're going to be delving into some first doctor action, which is something we haven't really done very much on the podcast thus far. So excited to talk about this one actually mm. well it's interesting because when you think about it this is the term game changer gets like thrown around a lot you know yes but this is this is actually kind of one of those shows when you think about it because it's the first instance we've got that the doctor's not alone in his space time and travels you know this is right. of his kind um it's the first like full changeover well almost full full, full changeover in the tardis crew and we've got like practically brand new companions we haven't we're not stuck with the original three we haven't got uh ian and barbara of course left at the end of the previous episode the chase and obviously susan had been gone since the dark invasion of earth and um it's also the first pseudo historical in which prior to this the uh the main fantastical elements in those stories were the tardis the doctor and the companions whereas of course here we have the monk with his own tardis and um, all sorts of various anachronisms, which um, confused a lot of people back in the 60s. Yeah, I'm sure. It's, it, it, what occurs to me with this one, most of all, is that this is like it's an idea so good, they've never felt the need to do it again. In the, having someone messing with history in this way, mm. they've kind of said, you know what? We nailed it with a time meddler. I think we're good <laughs> from here. Yeah, I mean, the only other sort of example I could think of maybe during the classic series is, mm. I don't know, maybe he's... Well, you've got the Master in uh, The King's Demons. True, yeah, that actually, trying, that's trying very to mess true, with that. yeah. yeah. Um, and, oh, actually, maybe he's also, you could argue um, City of Death when you've got Scarab. Yeah, okay, all right, then I'll take it back then, okay. <laughs> so, but, but this is, um, this is the I first example of it. First example, yes. Yeah. And I think that we should probably explain a little bit why the monk chose this day in particular. Mm. Because I think outside of the UK or maybe students of European history, I don't think 1066 is really a big deal or widely known about. So yeah. basically, Harold Godwinson, who was the king at the time, in 1066 had to go to one side of the country to fight the Viking invasion and mm -hmm. uh, Harold Harada. And then basically had to then march his whole army across the country to face William the Conqueror. Spoiler alert to how that battle went. Um, <laughs> there's a reason why he started being known as the Conqueror rather than as the Bastard, which is what he was known as, mm -hmm. um, to fight in the titular Battle of Hastings, which Harold Harada lost, William becomes king. So that is one of those um, pivot points in history that it was a damn close run thing, the actual the Battle of Hastings, it, mm -hmm. even though the French which is where uh, William came from, were vastly better armoured and had men-at-arms and knights and stuff. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was a close battle, and a lot of people think that if Harold hadn't had to race across the country to face him, mm -hmm. that he probably would have won, and then Harold would have remained king, and then entirely British history would have been different. Mm -hmm. exactly. um, so that's why it's, it's kind of targeted by the monk as the, as the pivot point, and it's why I think that obviously it be with it being a pseudo historical is why that the production team picked it. Mm -hmm. Every school child in Britain, certainly, certainly at that time, knew about 1066 and all that. Yeah, 
And I mean, even if you didn't, it gets dropped. Uh, the law gets dropped very heavily in this story by uh, yes. Bill Hartnell. <laughs> yes, because well, you know, again, we're we're still masquerading under the idea that this is an educational show. Mm-hmm. So for the children at home who maybe haven't done this class in history yet, here it all is very simply laid out for you. Yeah, and what's interesting is that the monk it is. It's not like he's doing it on purpose to be destructive. It's not purely destructive. He genuinely thinks that, you know, Harold could be a good king. Mm. Um, but it's. I think it's just the way he sort of, like, sees it so simply and, like, how he just thinks he's doing a good thing. He sort of... He doesn't, like... He's, like the doctor says, he's irresponsible. He's not... It's not like the master's up to this, you know, because if it was the master, you'd try and wipe out all sides of the conflict, you know? Yeah, so actually, as you bring it up, let's talk about this, uh, because I don't know how much we could could be able to get out of it, but there is a lot of uh, fan filling in of of (laughs) theories and all this sort of thing. The monk is the master. I mean, what do you make of this whole idea? Uh, No. Okay. (laughs) I I don't, yeah, because obviously, well, obviously it hadn't been introduced in law by this point, but... Time Lords usually have this way of identifying one another regardless of which face they have or which regeneration they're on. So right. you, it would stand to reason that, I mean, even though, you know, the first Doctor's, you know, still pretty old by this, like, point of his life, you know, quote-unquote old, you know what I mean? Yes. Um, even if the monk was the master, you'd think he'd recognise him. I think, that, yeah. I'm trying to remember... Was it one of the books, or was it big? It was like finish? one of the one of the one of the role playing games. Mm. I believe was it sort of first made this connection. Yeah, but I was I was trying to think. Did was it somewhere it said that the monk and the doctor might have gone to school together? Yeah, it's something, something like, like that. that. Yeah, yeah. it's it's all very sort of tenuous. But um, no, really, basically, the long and the short of it all is, you know, the the monk and the doctor don't really know each other. They just know that. They're from, they're, we just know that from the same race, um, yeah. even, even though it, I think I think the sort of like the the jumping on point for that I think in the story is the doctor says to him, "What are you up to this time?" Mm. He didn't say, "What are you up to?" It, it's just it says, "What are you up to this time?" So I mean, you could just read it as like you know, obviously he knows the monk, you know, medals in time, so this is just his latest scheme. Um, but I think it's that that people latched on to. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, taking what we know about the Master, even applying what we know now, this mm-hmm. level of shenanigans is pretty mild for the Master. Yeah. I mean, if you take sort of base level shenanigans, mm-hmm. I mean, if we're talking about someone like the Rani, I mean, what she no. does in, in to sort of satisfy her own scientific curiosity or whatever, mm. um, it, it's pretty, you know, although she sees it as not a big deal, it's mm-hmm. pretty extreme. So that's kind of like I take sort of base level. Yeah. Time Lord, you know, bad Time Lord behaviour. So this is pretty mild yeah. compared to basically everyone, all sort of the quote-unquote bad Time Lords that we've met. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you could sort of argue it's very early on in his life and, you know, so this is sort of like the scope of his imagination, but yeah. no, it doesn't fit his MO, so I'd be no. inclined to feel the same way. Mm-hmm. And, and this is this is like as the monk says, his master plan, because all the stuff he's been revealed to do up to then is pretty sort of, like, mildly trivial. You mm. know, what does he do? He puts £200 in a bank in 1968 and pops forward a couple of hundred years to collect the, com- the compound interest. Let's face it, we'd all do it. Well, yes. But the strange thing is, if, I, if I'm... 
If I'm remembering my my Doctor Who timeline correctly, wouldn't 200 years after 1968 be right in the middle of the Dark Invasion of Earth? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, can you imagine? It's like, yes, you may withdraw your funds. Well, do you know what? I think working in a bank would have been a lot more pleasant if we'd had Daleks there to stop people <laughs> kicking off. I'll tell you that for nothing. But yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, I think what you'd be better off doing is doing something like investing in something you know is going to be super successful. Mm-hmm. So you go and buy shares in Apple. Yeah. And then cash them in now. That's what you do, isn't it? Not put it yeah. in the bank with 200 years. You take, uh, trust me, as someone who works in the banking industry, <laughs> the level of administration you have to go through to get your 200-year-old quick money, not <laughs> worth it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, so what if it, obviously we must talk about the man himself. So what did you make of Peter Butterworth? Peter Butterworth, what a tremendous character that man is. I mean, just Peace. for I mean, because people as well who who follow you know follow his what he ended up doing later in the Carry Ons. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's so great in this, and it's and it's pitched so perfectly. Yeah. In that you're you're it's kind of one of those characters that you're sort of you know the cheeky. Mm-hmm. I mean, what he's doing is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not get it wrong. I mean, <laughs> this could. I mean, not to overstate the you the Britain's place in the world, but. This le- this alteration at this point in history mm-hmm. has global repercussions. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, so I mean, he's talking about like I think he says what like aeroplanes by the 1300s or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Oh, good global warning by the 1500s. Then tremendous. Um, Thumbs you know. up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's it's got global repercussions. So what what it, it's all, but it's so easy to just go, I'll oh, leave him to yeah. it. Cause he's so cheeky and like, yeah. <laughs> and the way he plays it is so, it's so funny. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that, I think it's like uh, fairy to Lambert said on the DVD comedy. It's just like a, a naughty schoolboy. He is. You know yeah. I mean? You know what I mean? It's just so the way, I mean, it's, when, when you think it's like the, the baddest thing he does in the entire story, I mean, apart from what he attempts to do, the worst thing he does is he takes some snuff. Yeah. You know. Do you know what? He, he sort of reminds me of almost kind of bizarro old second Doctor, almost. Do you know what? I, it would be very surprising if, if Bill Hartnell hadn't suggested Patrick Troughton. To would be, Peter Butterworth got the nod? It makes you think, doesn't it? It does make you think, especially when you sort of, when you watch it in the, just in that context. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's I think it, it's very easy to be like you could see a, you know just a couple of steps the wrong way and yeah. you know out of a out of a misguided wanting to help people or something like that and because mm-hmm. he thought Harold Goodwinson was a you know like you say was a good king he thought he was a good king which again is debatable mm-hmm. um, it you know you can imagine the second doctor doing something like this out of a misguided attempt to help people maybe mm. it's not that many steps away I don't think so it's, it's not it's not. I think that'll be more more of an interesting uh, theory than uh, him being the master. <laughs> I think that is a bit a much more interesting theory, actually. I've <laughs> copyrighted Mark and Emma to twenty sixteen. <laughs> All right. Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so something else I wanted to really talk about is in mm. this episode, apart from Peter Butworth, because obviously he's got to play off him a lot. Mm-hmm. What do you think of Bill in this one? Bill Hartnell. Oh, he's great in this one. Yeah, he's I think so... it, I think this is what he wanted to do. Yeah. This is truly what yeah. you envisage for for the for the show. It's it's educational. It's fun. It's a knockabout. He gets to act with people he obviously enjoys acting with. Mm-hmm. So I think this is probably one of his best performances of the Doctor as well. Yeah, because I mean it's it's not sort of like the old miserable grumpy old get that he's been 
like for most of the series up to now but he, he gets yeah. to like he you know when he just thinks he's wandering around the monastery and he like switches off the gramophone he's just chuckling away at himself yeah. it's just so nice but he does still like get to be like the gruff you know first doctor we all like know and slightly tolerate um yes <laughs> uh, but as well, it's, it's kind of again, it's prime Bill because he gets mm. to go on holiday for some of this, some of the yeah. show as well, which he's happy about. Yeah, <laughs> um, but you know what it is? You and, don't miss him. Yeah, I was about to him. say you don't you don't miss him at all. Mm. I mean, it sounds awful to say you don't miss him, but you know, yeah. it's a part of that they've done the show. They've disguised it well enough that mm-hmm. it, it's fine that he's not there, sort of thing. It's not like he got conked on the noggin. He has to like lie under a tarp for like. An yeah. episode or two. Is he unconscious? Yes, he is. <laughs> <laughs> Poking no, the stick. Just, you know, it, let the body doubles do the work, and mm-hmm. you know it works really well. Mm-hmm. And like you say, his it, the it's the sort of the way that I think it's the level of involvement that Bill would have liked as well. He gets yeah. to be cock of the walk still. He still gets to be the important one. Mm-hmm. But Peter Purvis and um, Maureen O'Brien and Maureen O'Brien are doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. But here is but he still gets the he still gets to <laughs> swan in at the end, solve all the problems, get in the toddies and go. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so shall we talk about Peter Purvis and uh, Maureen O'Brien? Yeah, let's. Um so Peter Purvis, I've I'm gonna hold my hands up and say I'm not a huge Stephen Taylor fan. Yeah, I am I'm, I'm with you on that, but I think it's more because yeah, you know, I think a lot of the stories he's in, he's in are gone. Yes, there's that. And too. so it's it's like it's like there's not much you can sort of really sort of judge him on. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't mind him. I don't mind him. He's, he's right, but yeah. I think it's just a case of. I mean, do you know what? If there is a male equivalent to the the female companion archetype of screen fall over, ask what's that doctor? Mm-hmm. This is the male equivalent. The yeah. charging around, bull headed. Uh, <laughs> You know, just doing whatever and, you know, punching everything inside. You know, this is <laughs> yeah. this is kind of the male archetype. Mm. Mm-hmm. So I, but I, I must say, um, but I do think, unfortunately, he somewhat overshadows Maureen O'Brien, a, a deeply underrated companion, I feel Vicky is. Yeah. Not get enough to do in her time, I don't think. Mm-hmm. And I think it's tricky because she's like the, the younger female companion, so she has to follow in Susan's footsteps. Yes. So when you think, you know, the very first companion the Doctor ever had, how are you going to stand up to that? You know, but she does it. She does pretty well. She's so wonderful. She's lovely to look at. And uh, she's very sort of pixie-like. She she brings so much lightness to it. I mean, I think she's a joy to watch. And I think Mm -hmm. that, because especially in an episode like this, which is sort of like a romp. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch her in this. And I think it's just unfortunately that she does get overshadowed by kind mm-hmm. of this force of ego that Stephen is, and <laughs> and yeah. um, same with the Doctor, unfortunately. Mm. But I mean, it's great when so sort of, the Doctor and Vicky is like egging away at uh, Stephen while they're in the TARDIS. You know, he's like, oh, he doesn't think this is time for him. Oh, really? Well, we'll show him. <laughs> Watch yeah, this. Yeah, I mean, and I think really this 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 episode is kind of ideal for cementing in a new team as well mm-hmm. yeah, yeah you know it's not like a huge big heavy scary episode you know like i say it's light it's a romp it's an adventure mm-hmm. and you get to sort of bed in with all the, this sort of new configuration mm-hmm. yeah and one thing that's always liked about this one is like the the reveal the cliffhanger of uh, part three and uh, it's, it's mm-hmm. the way Maureen o'brien says it you know she says it's a tart of the monk's got a tardis 
It's not shock. She, she almost sounds like she wants to laugh. It's like, of course, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like, oh God, all this crazy shit has happened so far. Of course he's got a freaking TARDIS, you know. Yeah, I love that. I mean, let's say there's, as well, what you sometimes find is when you watch these episodes in one big chunk, I think, mm-hmm. I think we brought this up quite a lot on the show, that when you, watch, when you sit and watch these episodes in a big lump, sometimes it can feel like episode three is like a bit of a chore. You know mm. what I mean? Like yeah. the pacing isn't designed for that. But with this, it just flows so nicely. It's so nice to sit and watch it in one lump. Yeah. It actually works really well in that way. Mm-hmm. So what else? I was like, what do you think of the, the production of this one? Because it's one of those nice ones that it it obviously is, there are some cost-cutting measures employed mm-hmm. in this. Yes. And it's not like a big, like a lot of big sets and all this sort of stuff. But... Yeah. It, it doesn't stick out to you as cheap. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, for all that's that's shot in like, Television Central, Lime Grove, or wherever, mm. it doesn't like look like it's just like a set with some plants in it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It it it, it looks the part. It looks the part, and there's very few. Well, certainly in terms of, like scenery, parts where it's like looks like a bit of naff. Mm. And I think the black and white helps it. Um, in terms of some things like, say, mm, the fight scenes, uh... right? The fight scenes. <laughs> oh, don't, you, don't, you, don't you think that all sixties stuff kind of suffers well, from somewhat flaily fight scenes? Well, I mean, yes, they do. The other day, I mean, Chuck was watching Callan, which has got oh, yeah. Edward Woodward in. Mm-hmm. You know what his yeah. name would be if they took all the D's out of his name. <laughs> yeah, he Yeah, and it was just. <laughs> The fight sort of consists of like Edward Woodward just kind of swings his arm in the general direction <laughs> of somebody, and that man falls down. Yeah, but and that's the fight. Yeah, but it's great in here because you've got like they're like they're holding their axes or swords or whatever, just like ready to swing. There's this like five second pause, and like, Ugh! you know, <laughs> it's it's great. And um, we'd have to sort of like, give a small shout out to the Vikings with probably the most stereotypical Viking names you could have given yes. like Ulf and Sven um, yeah the <laughs> yes <laughs> Sven doesn't really sort of hold on to that accent very long does he no <laughs> no do. they all revert back to RP very quickly <laughs> Oh. Um, but mind you, I mean, it always reminds me of something my nan used to say mm-hmm. about the Viking acts ain't got no bones. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, uh, that that little cliche gets uh, well abounded on in this. Obviously, mm-hmm. the current thought in the 60s was they still had them. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Well, one of them had, like, little metal wings on his helmet as well. Which was probably that did look cool, though, to be fair. I yeah, would give him that. It was cool. Yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, on that note, for all we say, this is like a, a, a bit of a romp. There is like one moment this gets really dark. Oh, yes. <laughs> and we do have to mention that. Yeah, we um, have to. I shouldn't be laughing. It's not good. Yeah, because obviously we've got these Viking scouts. You've got mm. Ulf and Sven and uh, Gunnar. And um, they stumble across the Saxon village. And we have sort of like a... I sort of uh, into the the Saxon society in the form of Edith uh, Woolnoff's wife, and it's kind of pretty heavily implied that they raped her. Yeah, and it's just like wow, you know. I mean, yeah. that's that's super. I mean, it's not sort of like even in this the series before there was like very sort of not very veiled threats against Barbara. Yeah, yeah. like constantly. Yeah. 
But I mean, here... um, gosh, yeah. I mean, and as well, it's the typical thing of like, you know, <laughs> give her a cup of tea and she's fine afterwards. Yeah. You know, stop being hysterical. <laughs> give her a slap and she's fine. Sort yeah. of thing, which is terrible. Yeah, Doctor wasn't very sympathetic. <laughs> no, no. But I, I, you know, it. I, I wish I could say, well, that's because of the prevailing attitudes of the time, mm, which probably. to a point. But you know, <laughs> it's something that I've I've brought up in the show before, and something that infuriates me is mm. the 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 sexual assault of the female mm. protagonist for cheap drama. Yeah, which still happens now. You yeah. still oh, get yeah. that kind of easy kind of or but you know i'll give her a dark background say she got touched up by somebody or say there's someone mm. ranger or something you know it's like it's 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 still happening and that yeah. is infuriating you know best part of 50 years later but yeah i mean and as well you just sort of it sort of it shows you how in in such small esteem things like that were held that you can just kind of chuck that in 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 a show like this and you know mm. everyone just goes mm. Mm. Yes, it's it's unfortunate that it still happens to this day, but yeah, yeah. it's just I don't know. I don't know what it's going to take for it to change. But. Well, I mean, it's one of those things of you learn about sort of the Viking invasions as a mm-hmm. kid and all that. I mean, into, yeah, into the UK as a kid. Yeah, and you you don't really take on board what that means. Yeah, no, no, no. no. You just you, as well when you watch it in drama, someone just comes flying in and they sort of you know go in the what well, they usually do. First thing someone does fl- comes in and throws a flaming torch on someone's house. Pretty much, yeah. That's the first thing that always happens, and yeah. then there's people running around, and it cuts away. Mm. No, and you no, just as, yeah, no village burning. I'm disappointed. Yeah, no village yeah. burning. Yeah, disappointing. Yeah. But um, you know, when I was a kid, my my idea of what Vikings were was exclusively taken from the film The Vikings with Kit, with uh, Kirk Douglas in. <laughs> yes. Oh no. So I was waiting for someone to get their eye plucked out by a ra- uh, by a <laughs> When I was growing up, I was we used to watch that film quite a bit. It's like we always used to watch those sort of big old Hollywood dramas like uh, yeah. Spartacus and Ben Hur and all yeah. those sort of things. And there was always bits I wasn't allowed to watch, mm. <laughs> and I was never allowed to watch the bit where they throw someone into the pit of wolves. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was only when I, only a few years ago when I sort of I watched it again. I was like, oh, that was that's what right. That was it. <laughs> yeah, pretty mild actually. There's always bits. My mum and my nan would just. I always remember sitting between my mum and my nan, and just I, hands would be clamped over my eyes. Like, don't watch this bit. You're scared. <laughs> oh, lovely. So yeah, that's my that's my impression of what Vikings are. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, um, it, you sort of forget about the horrible things that yeah. sort of group with, that came with them. Unfortunately, yeah, not really nice people. No, it wasn't no. a nice time. Nasty, no. brutish and short, as they say. Mm-hmm. So what else could we say about the time meddler? Um, because we've kind of uh, heaped praise upon um, pretty much all and sundry in it. I mean, obviously, there is uh, there is some unfortunate um, sexual attitudes prevailing. But is there anything mm-hmm. else in it that sort of makes you go, hmm? Uh, well, this never really addressed the uh, atomic cannon after... Uh... No, no. Yeah, so yeah, okay. Disable the TARDIS, but you know, you've got, you've got this sort of this mortar cannon, you know, sitting on a cliff, and you know, we don't really know what happened to those shells that uh, the monk planned to fire at the Viking fleet. You know, I mean, it still, it still could go wrong. You know. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think, you know, yeah. it's one of those things of like the doctor's like, problem solved, let's go, and like <laughs> it isn't. <laughs> Like, um, it isn't solved. Hang on. Yeah. 
I mean, you know, Time Lords are immensely long lived. I mean, is you know, could the meddling monk now be Donald Trump's publicist or something? Oh, something f- evil now, fuck you know? Me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no. Well, I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly, I think maybe the novelization fixed that. I think they said Stephen got rid of the munitions and whatever. But still, you know, you'd think... <laughs> and, then they wrote, and then everything was fine. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Another thing is, uh, when you think about it, though, um, the, the, the monk says, you know, Shakespeare could put Hamlet on television. I, I think with the radical change to history, I don't think Shakespeare would even exist. <laughs> no, I mean it's. I mean that's the thing. I mean you you kind of it get or you sort of say about it's such an important date in British history. Mm. I mean, which is you know I, I'm trying to think. You know, sort of the equivalent for the United States would be 1776, obviously the yeah. the year of independence. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's such a fundamental change in the history of this country. Yeah. Like, I think everything would be different. And like, mm-hmm. I don't think that's an overestimation either, really. No, no, no. No. Because, well, yeah. you know, the, the level, you know, the, you could argue that sort of the, um, the advances in literature, in science and technology are a direct result of the, um, the mood in the country, who the monarch was, mm-hmm. who the court is, who is being patronised, who is getting um, money to do this or that. And, you mm-hmm. know, so... If you completely alter alter the the line of succession, yeah. Then again, it's not only that; it's also what wars do we are engaged in? What countries is Britain part of? Does the empire even exist? Does you know? It's yeah. It's one of those things. If you've have to, you'd have, so I'm sure there's people who have written great big screeds about you know what would what would happen if that tipping point had altered but um yeah, I mean you're right. It's so fundamental. I think it's probably pro- it's quite probable that. You know, Elizabeth I wouldn't have been queen, so mm-hmm. you wouldn't have had people like Shakespeare writing plays. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I kind of give that one a pass, though, because, you know, mm. this is still, this is a family show. It's like Saturday tea time. Yeah. It, so you don't want to sort of like delve too much into the nitty gritty of, you know, the ramifications of massively changing the course of history. Mm. of future history because i was reading like the the information text on the dvd mm. um all doctor who dvds by the bbc have like this info text like subtitle commentary and it's like and this one in particular had um like viewer comments it's like how like america has the nielsen ratings we had our own so like audience appreciation index and things like that and um there's a lot of comments <laughs> Um, by uh, people watching, uh, who kind of thought it was rather uninteresting and uneventful, and there was a lot of people who sort of dismissed the mystery about like how you have like like toasters and wristwatches. You know, it's like mm-hmm. Vikings and electrical toasters. What rubbish! Can't understand what a gramophone etc has to do with early Britons. It just seems silly. So, you know, what you... I mean, people love it now. I love it. It's, mm-hmm. um, you know, look at success on Amazon of Man in the High Castle. People really are, you know, are, are interested in that as a realm of fantasy, as, mm-hmm. a, as, a, as a mode of thought. But I don't know if in the 60s it was really, you know, a thing or, I mean, because mm-hmm. I'm not sure when Man in the High Castle was written. Uh, 1962. Oh, right. So it does precede this. So... I don't know. I mean, maybe it was just something that, again, not being used to seeing it on TV and people just mm. sort of saw it as 
a frippery. Yeah. Again, it's sort of, you know, maybe some of the earlier examples of Doctor Who kind of it's it's contribution to the genre kind of being underestimated because it's a kid's show at yeah. this point. It's an educational show. Mm-hmm. So people sitting at home go, this isn't educational, this isn't what happened in 1066, you know, sort of not getting the the thing of, you know, the, the sort of the fun way to think about 1066 in this mm-hmm. way, you know? So I don't know. It's, it, I don't know if it's just, it's one of these things of it sort of didn't, it didn't really hit the viewer's, in the right spot also you're coming off the fact that barbara and ian have just gone Mm -hmm. so you're dealing with the fact that people want those characters they love back Mm -hmm. you know not really be like i don't like these new two who Mm -hmm. which always happens um so the the episode kind of falters well people's attitude to the episode isn't kind of as as warm as it might have been if maybe Barbara and Ian were in this and you have Barbara in it, the history teacher explaining 1066 yeah. and what's going to happen if it happens and that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got a question for you because you're probably a little bit like closer to like the, the Doctor Who like fandom than I'm. Oh, God. What, how, how do you think this, like, this story gets perceived these days? Because I don't know what it is. It just... I don't think people hate it. It just doesn't seem to be mentioned very much, you know, for all, you know, for all the things it brings to the show that we've mentioned. Yeah. What, what... And so if I could just, if, yeah, I think it's one of those ones of people, if you talk to someone about the time med, like people go, oh, I really like that one. Mm-hmm. But it's one of these ones that, you know, I'm, I'm rewatching the, we're rewatching the X-Files at the moment. Yeah. And we were just in season one and we watched Beyond the Sea, which is obviously a huge episode because Scully's dad dies and all this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And then in a few, four episodes after that, you've got EBE, which is, a, again, a massive episode and there's lots of implications for what happens later. But then you've got these four in the middle. Mm-hmm. And then, because we, me and Chuck, you know, just sort of put the disc in and didn't look at the back or anything like that. And we're going, what episode's next? Yeah. And you watch it and you go, you know, it's, it's like, it's, some of these other ones you think actually that that's an enjoyable enough episode mm-hmm. but because you're it's it's kind of not a huge episode and it's sort of between sandwiched between two massive episodes which are well beloved by the fans mm-hmm. and i'll admit ones that i've watched you know when i used to have the x files on vhs i used to fast forward through the other episodes to get <laughs> to that one <laughs> you know it, yeah. it just kind of it, it's an episode that's there. It, it's kind of in that weird sort of middle zone of like mm. when people watch it, think, "Oh yeah, that's really good fun." Yeah. But when you're sitting there looking at your DVD shelf, you don't think, "I'll watch a Time Meddler today." Mm. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. one of those ones. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah. Um... That's that's how it, I, I sort of think it's. I feel like uh, it, when it comes to first Doctor stuff, I kind of feel it's a little bit of a connoisseur's choice. Yeah. Yeah, the first Doctor's probably not where you want to start. If you're, if you're going to get yourself into classic Yeah, we, we say this a lot, don't yeah. we? <laughs> I mean, it, it, when you look at the season two, I mean, it's right at the end of season two. Mm-hmm. You've got Dalek Invasion of Earth in season two. You've yep. got the Romans in season two. Yeah. The Web Planet, which, you know, we've talked about the Web Planet quite a bit. You know, it sticks out, maybe for all the wrong reasons, but <laughs> it's, yeah. it's iconic for a lot of reasons. It kind of suffers by comparison to all the rest of the, what precedes it. Mm. That's true. Yeah. You know, and as you come after that, you sort of okay. You've got a, like Galaxy Four and the Myth Makers, which again we sort of suffer because we don't have the Myth Makers at all. Mm-hmm. And then you're straight into Dalek's Master Plan. Yeah. Which is like this huge kind of yeah. m- multi gazillion episode saga. Mm-hmm. 
which which is again because we don't have all of it is kind of attain mythical status yeah so when you're talking about first doctor stuff it really kind of gets looked over because mm-hmm. yeah. well, a few more episodes past that and your 10th planet and then you're out yeah because well, also you sort of get this is like buried this will still be like buried in the heart of dark mania as well yeah it really is yeah I mean, that's the other thing to remember about this is that you're dead right. I mean, it was it, Dalek mania was so in, all encompassing at this mm-hmm. point. I mean, if you ain't got a Dalek in it, you might as well just be wasting. You, you're whistling, mate, because yeah. Well, it, I mean, you know, kids aren't interested in it. Yeah, lest we forget the the story before this one <laughs> with the chase. Yes, the infamous chase, which you know we is, will get to. We will get to that. Um, it's it's kind of. Uh, it's spe- it's special. It it, kind of wants to, it needs to be seen to be believed, and we'll talk about that when we get to the chase. But yeah, I think unfortunately it's a great, it's a really strong episode, which kind of suffers for being in the middle of the pack, mm-hmm. in between Daleks and in between episodes, which are maybe famous for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um. So, any final thoughts about uh, Time Lapse? Because I think we've pretty much uh, said all we need to say, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, I mean, but I, I would say that if anyone's listening to this that hasn't watched the Time Lapse, is just listening mm. to us for just to hear about it. I mean, although obviously we've talked about the story quite extensively, mm-hmm. this is an episode I would encourage you to check out, and oh, it's yeah. one that maybe unlike quite a lot of First Doctors, it it it's really nice to sit and actually watch in a big chunk. Mm-hmm. So we're not going to advise you to be like, you know, in some of these other ones, like maybe like um, Dalek Invasion of Earth. Mm-hmm. Don't watch all of Dalek Invasion of Earth in one go. You will die of boredom. <laughs> You've got, you know, whereas this, it, it's, you know, it's like watching, you know, a movie. Mm-hmm. This one, you really can regard it in that way. And, you know, it cracks along. It's good fun. It's, you know, and it's it's not too heavy. It, it's a really fun episode to watch. So if you can check this one out, absolutely do. If you've not tried any First Doctor before, or, you know, you've only seen bits, I would say that if you're going to try any First Doctor, this is a really good shout. Mm. Yeah, because it's, it's it, strangely enough, it is a bit of a jumping on point because there's not much mm. reference to anything before. I mean, obviously, yes, the, it is, the chase is alluded to in yes. like, like a few throwaway lines. And there's a few mentions of like Susan and Barbara and Ian. But... You know, it, it's it's pretty much you know as long as you've got like some base level knowledge. Yeah, of, you'll be fine with this. Yeah, and also I think that if I was if I was looking at the whole of the first, like say looking at the first Doctor stuff on my shelves, mm-hmm. if I was with someone who said show me some first Doctor, I want to mm-hmm. see some of the best of the first Doctor. Obviously, you think about an unearthly child, and again, if you if he's going to sit and watch it all in the evening, I'm thinking you know you have got stuff that sticks out like the Aztecs, mm-hmm. but I mean the Aztecs is probably quite heavy, you yeah. know. And if you're thinking about something like the Romans is a bit too silly for some people, it's a bit too carry on. Even mm-hmm. though I mean I like it myself, but <laughs> you know, it, it, apart from maybe the War Machines, this is the one I'd pick out. Yeah, that's fair. Mm. I mean, I'd say I think you probably. You know, probably a bit of blasphemy, but I mean, I think the Aztecs is probably a stronger story than this. I think the Romans is a bit of a stronger story than this. But I mean, for for someone who's coming at this fairly neutrally, mm-hmm. who doesn't like too much slapstick and doesn't want it to be too history nerd serious, yeah, I say this sort of is right in that butter zone in the middle. It's kind of got mm-hmm. a little bit of everything. Absolutely. So. If you've seen uh, The Time Method, we'd like to hear your thoughts about it. You can email us at uh, greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com. We also have our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash Podcast. I actually remembered it this time. Hey, also, I mean, we have had a slight change in title because 
Facebook now allows you to have podcast as a grouping rather than it being a community. Ah. So rather than it say, so otherwise, if, if I left it as it was, it would have said the Greatest Show in the Galaxy podcast podcast. Oh, right. So now okay. it just says the Greatest Show in the Galaxy group is a podcast. So, But you still find us that way. The, yes. the uh, URL remains the same. So Exactly. Also, we do have our Twitter account, at Greatest Show Pod. Also, while you're on Simply Syndicated, do check out all the other great shows we have. Uh, Seven Chevron, Atomic Trivia War 9000, For Those About of Rock, Do Ask, Do Tell, Take It or Leave It, Simply Syndicated Movie News. I was on there not too long ago, and I think I got away with it. Yeah, we were right, mate, we were right. <laughs> Sorry, right, that's cool. Um, also, the store, do ch- do buy things for things with things. Use money. <laughs> Also, I want to give a massive congratulations and shout out to Tony and Lindsay Pucci who have welcomed their little boy Ralph into the onto planet Earth. Um, congratulations, guys! Uh, a new Doctor Who fan to uh, to join us. So, yes. um, brilliant! Us. Uh, much love us. to you guys. Yes. Yep. Oops. Uh, also, yes, simply everything. We keep we mustn't forget simply everything. It's basically yeah, exclusive your... stuff you can't yes. find anywhere else. The new X Files show. Mm-hmm. If you're jumping onto the X Files for the first time, if you're an old vet like the rest of us, please come and join us on the X Files show. Yes, also the Quantum Leap show, uh, Remote Patrol, old boy, and also all the great archives. Hopefully, if I, if somebody kicks Rick's ass, Starbase sixty six will be on there as well. Hopefully, maybe, well, maybe not. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that that's that's your that's the ending for you, Rick. Now you have to do it. We've said so. Yeah, we promised the people. Don't let us down, Rick. We'll find you. I know where you live, man. <laughs> well, I know the general area where you live. It's, yeah, we roughly approximate where you live. Yeah, <laughs> I have Expedia. You watch yourself, son. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, before this gets too violent, so it wouldn't be this podcast without mild threats towards somebody, would it? <laughs> That's a good sign for us to finish the show then. Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's uh, let's go. Yep, let's, uh, before someone shrinks my TARDIS, we better go. <laughs> See you later, guys. Ta-da!